Hello, welcome back to the Roarcast season two. If you missed any of our first season, you can catch up on that, but we're here for season two. We were renewed, thankfully. Renewed. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Got renewed. That phone call. We were we not got canceled. Sense uh- <laughs> sigh of relief because we like doing this. Uh, I am Mike Kowalski, joined by Kyle Matrician. Uh, Megan Rojas is on vacation, which I she wish is. I was on vacation. But, uh, good for her though good for her we kind of just threw it on her last second that we were going to record our intro for this uh podcast today so uh can't blame her for not being able to join us but no big deal because this podcast is uh most not about us not about us it's never really about us but we're just you know a couple minutes here and then we'll uh, throw it over to peter pilling who gave a very informational i thought i listened to the town hall last week uh, and, uh, you know, there was a good turnout I heard from the alumni relations office on the amount of uh, viewers that listen live on the town hall, but Peter hit on a bunch of topics. Uh, he hit on, you know, the questions surrounding whether or not Columbia may drop sports in the fall because, you know, uh, clearly, uh, the fall sports as the Ivy league announced a couple weeks ago are canceled for the fall. Uh, so a lot of people have concerns about, uh, will sports be dropped because some other schools have done that? People have concerns about uh, staff positions. People have concerns about, you know, what are the student athletes do going to do? How are things going to operate? Who's going to be allowed on campus? Who's not going to be allowed on campus? It was a well-rounded discussion. I, I thought I thought a lot of the questions like that were asked uh, were very very relevant questions, and they were answered very well and very direct. And I thought extremely informational. So I hope that our outlet here this podcast uh maybe helps anybody who didn't catch that town hall or didn't know about it uh be able to listen to when we started brainstorming ideas for our second season we wanted to get peter back on but since he hosted this town hall on july 16th that we would ask him the same question so we're just gonna uh repurpose it and uh let you guys listen in uh to the event that our most a lot of alumni tuned into so again it was you know, very informative uh, decision obviously wasn't made lightly, um, but it's probably given the circumstances of everything going on, um, the right decision. I know there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, but um, hopefully we get those answers soon and we can kind of move forward and get back to competition as soon as possible. And with that, let's throw it over to Eric Ely, who's going to introduce the panelists and Peter as we uh, throw to the town hall meeting that took place on July 16th. All right, enjoy everybody. Good evening, everybody. My name is Eric Ely. I'm the Director of Development for Columbia Athletics. I want to wish everybody good health uh, during these interesting times. Tonight marks the next in a virtual content series we've called Virtual C. Uh, tonight's uh, Virtual C presentation stars Peter Pilling uh, and two Columbia Athletics alums. Peter Pilling has spent a lot of time in the last week speaking with our coaches and student athletes, and he felt it was important to also connect with our passionate and committed alumni community about the decision made by the Ivy presidents last week. Um, as a quick programming note, our next virtual event will be on July 30th uh, at 6 p.m. The subject of that event will be a spotlight on the intersection of Columbia Athletics and the Olympics. I wish we all wish we were about to start watching. Now on to our panelists. Peter Pilling, the Campbell Family Director of Intercollegiate Athletics and Physical Education, is ending his fifth full academic year at the helm of Columbia Athletics. We are incredibly grateful for Peter's leadership during these unprecedented times. Next, Rolando Acosta. Rolando Acosta is Columbia College Class of 1979 and Columbia Law School Class of 1982. He has been the presiding justice of the New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division, First Department, since May of 2017. Justice Acosta is the recipient of the Columbia University Medal of Excellence and Columbia Law School's Wien Prize for Social Responsibility. In 2008, he was inducted into Columbia University Athletics Hall of Fame. He currently serves as a trustee at Columbia University and a member of the Dean's Council of Columbia Law School. Rolando is a star baseball player at Columbia and remains the program's biggest fan. Thank you for joining us, Rolando. And last but not least, Donna McPhee, who will act as the MC tonight. Donna McPhee, Columbia College Class of 1989, is the Vice President of Alumni Relations at Columbia University 
and president of the Columbia Alumni Association, a member of the varsity tennis team as an undergraduate. Uh, McPhee has remained involved in Columbia athletics uh, over the years as an alumna, serving on numerous committees and co-founding the Women's Leadership Committee. So I'll now hand it over to Donna to uh, start the night. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And I'm excited to be here with Peter and Rolando um, and certainly chat with all of you virtually um, about what's happening with Columbia Athletics and the university. Um, so thank you so much for participating. So let's get right to the questions. Um, so Peter, a recent announcement, announcement about the Ivy president's decision about our fall athletics competition. Um, can you share more about that? Explain um, the thought process behind that decision and how you and other ADs were involved in that decision? Absolutely, thanks. And thank you for joining us, both Rolando and, uh, and Donna tonight. We're excited to speak with our alums and give a little insight in terms of what we're planning for and how decisions were made to date. Um, obviously, we lived through this pandemic with our spring sports. And as we know, we canceled the Ivy League basketball tournament and it canceled our spring sports. And once we got through the spring semester, uh, we immediately shifted to planning towards the fall. And our aspirations were to compete. And so we, we had that in mind as we continued to move forward to that. But yet ultimately we presented an idea to the presidents about that we didn't necessarily have to make a decision right away that we were gonna move towards the capacity to compete sometime during the fall. But as we all know, the pandemic got more intense and obviously the issues that we faced in New York City and all the tragedies throughout our country. And, and so the decision became to a point where we needed to, uh, to kind of really decide what we were gonna do in the fall at some point during July. And a lot of it was predicated upon what was taking place on the various respective Ivy League institutions uh, academically. And so if you think about the timing of it, all eight Ivy League institutions announced their academic intentions in the fall before we made the, um, the decision about athletics. And a lot of those predicated what took place you know, the foundation of what took place obviously is based upon the pandemic and the severity of what's taking place and the well-being of our coaches and our staff and our student athletes is first and foremost. But when you think about, uh, you know, dorm capacity in our respective institutions and ours as we move into the fall, 60% of dorm capacity was a factor in our ability to get all of our student athletes back in the fall. And so a lot of these different factors in addition to the pandemic uh, obviously, state regulations, city regulations, university regulations provided a lot of different obstacles and challenges. And ultimately, the presidents got together and, uh, and met a, as a collective group and made that decision. And obviously, we, we, you know, we were disappointed, but we understand it's the responsible decision. And we want to make sure that we have our student athletes well-being first and foremost in mind as we move forward into the fall. So tell me a bit about the fall. They won't be competing, but will sports be allowed to practice? And you know, will student athletes who are either living on campus or possibly living off campus participate in team activities? Yes, so that was one of our approaches as we talked about this phased approach. And so when the presidents came, came back and said that you do not have the opportunity to compete during the fall term, you do have the opportunity to compete, excuse me, to practice in some capacity with our teams. And so we're gonna to need to go through a phased approach during the fall semester, but all of our teams, our fall sports, student athletes that are on campus, and I'll talk about what's gonna, how it's gonna impact off campus. Obviously our winter sports and our winter sports begin competition typically during the fall term and then our spring sports. So they're all gonna have varying degrees of opportunities to practice based upon us meeting those phase requirements. And those are unfortunately not necessarily dictated 100% by the athletic department. Those are dictated by state regulations, obviously city regulations and then university regulations. So we've been meeting with the coaches, we've been planning and we're looking to try to make sure that there's a window of opportunity during the fall term where we can have some type of athletic activity that has value and is meaningful to our student athletes. Those that are off campus, as, as everyone knows, only first years and sophomores are gonna be invited back to live in the dorm residency. Those that are off campus, as long as they're a full-time student, will have the ability to participate in however we define those athletic activities uh, during the fall term. So what measures are being taken to protect these student athletes when they return to campus in the fall? Yeah, great, great point. 
Um, specifically with regards to athletics and our athletic facilities, we have, uh, we have a re-engagement committee that is working and has been working for a number of months uh, around those specific points. So we have a committee that's re with regards to health and safety. We have a committee with regards to practice and competition, one regarding communications, and then one regarding the financial implications of everything we're doing. So whether it be sports medicine or whether it be strength and conditioning, we're preparing for our athletes to come back now and to practice and to make sure that their safety is first and foremost. So certain protocols around testing, certain protocols around uh, the, you know, the aspects of them being uh, from, a, from a wellness standpoint to be able to participate in those activities. So we'll go through a, a what we call phase zero, Well, they'll go through a, a physical aspect of making sure that they're prepared to participate. Then they'll go through a conditioning part to make sure that they're ready and uh, from a physical aspect ready to participate. We'll go through skill development with the aspirations then of competing in small groups, then medium-sized groups, and then larger groups if we can get all that in within a, a basically a nine-week window during the fall term. Great, thanks, Peter. What about the athletic staff and the administration? Are they allowed on campus? Yeah, as of, as of right now, obviously those that are an essential personnel are allowed back on campus. And so as we move into the fall, you know, if we're practicing, our coaches will be essential personnel and they'll be able to come on practice. You can think about our sports medicine, our strength and condition, those people that have direct interaction with our student athletes will be able to come on campus. And then I would say anybody else that can perform their work duties remotely, either wherever they live, will continue to do that throughout the fall term. So if you can think about those personnel within our department that have direct interaction with our student athletes, they'll have the capacity to come back on campus. And those that, you know, the one, the one interesting thing we've learned about this is the capacity to do our work remotely and to do our work through various interactions. And so those people on our staff and within our department that have that opportunity to continue moving forward will not come back during the fall term uh, to their offices or to campus. Hey, re remember, Donna, that, that a lot of, you know, and I, I really commend Peter. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of time and energy that has been invested uh, in making sure that all of this activity happens. But remember, we're still subject to, and I recommend for everyone to, to go to the state regional monitoring dashboard in order to determine the different stages that the state is in, the, you know, the gating criteria and whether that criteria is being met. We still have a lot of the limitations in terms of the number of people that can congregate in any place, including public accommodations, not just institutions of higher learning. So this is a real, real challenge that, that we have with this pandemic. Yeah, that's a great point. And so this re-engagement committee is doing a deep dive into all those particular points. And that's the thing, you know, as we tell our coaches, unfortunately, we don't have all the answers and we can't necessarily turn the switch and say we can do A, B, and C, because a lot of those are predicated by state regulations. If you think about fitness centers, you know, they're going to need to be in phase four and there's still an interpretation within them being above and beyond phase four. And so how does that fit within the parameters of what we're trying to do? You know, this is obviously more than just athletics and we're going to talk about that, but you know, we feel a responsibility when students gone back, come back on campus to, you know, potentially have some type of wellness facility because there needs to be balance in their lives. And so if we can provide a fitness opportunity, a recreation opportunity within Dodge Fitness Center, that's what we want to accomplish. But all of that is dictated upon meeting certain requirements mandated by the state. And so there's a lot of unknowns out there and we don't necessarily have all the answers right now, but we're working towards those and we're planning towards those. And we understand that we may need to, you know, adapt, and, and assess various steps along the way and pivot at some points. We're working towards where we want to accomplish, but we know that there may be limitations in us achieving those. Yeah, I mean, just remember, remember that, you know, what we know today may not be what we need to know tomorrow. I mean, it, it's, you know, I just, I was telling Peter, the unfortunate circumstances surrounding the cancellation of the New York State Bar Exam today. Uh, you know, a painful, painful, painful decision. First time we've ever done it uh, in over a hundred years. But this pandemic 
keeps changing. Even when we get into stage four, into phase four, for example, that is still being modified. So it's a modified phase four and, you know, you can only engage under certain circumstances and, you know, indoor, I mean, today the decision about, you know, in order to, uh, you cannot serve liquor by itself. It has to be with food in public accommodation in a restaurant. So it's everyday things change. So we have to hang in there and accept that new reality. Yeah. And I think the other point too, and you know, I was out West for the most of the month of June. And when you came back, I had a sense of pride with people within New York city, but because they're wearing masks and they're being responsible citizens. And as we get through this, it'll give us the ability to turn the corner, if you will, within our capacity to do what we aspire to do. Right. I 100% agree. And certainly at the Columbia Alumni Association, um, we will only be having virtual events in the fall. Um, certainly, we like to cheer on our Columbia Lions, and we're, we'd be looking forward to homecoming and other alumni events. Um, is there a possibility that they'll be postponed till a later date, or are they being canceled at this point? Yeah, so obviously we're not competing in the fall. So, you know, that we will not have a homecoming activities around a fall football game as much as we love the event, much as we desire to have that. You know, one of the things that we did in the spring is we pivoted and we have this great event called Varsity C. And so uh, we, we made the change to what we call Virtual C. And it ended up being a remarkable event. We had a lot of people participate. We were able to celebrate the accomplishments of our student athletes. We had various people throughout the country come around and, and really applaud what our student athletes were doing. And it was a lot of fun. And so as we look forward to fall planning, we're thinking about similar things to what you're doing and making sure we continue to celebrate our student athletes are remarkable. What they accomplish academically, what they accomplish athletically is something we take great pride in. So we'll continue to look for opportunities to showcase our student athletes and make sure people are aware of their accomplishments. Right. So as Rolando mentioned, you know, the pandemic changes daily, if not more than daily, and it's hard to make some decisions, but can you give us um, any indication of the status of the winter and spring sports when there's any indication that a decision, is there a deadline that's been given to make some decisions on those sports? Yes, well, the, the statement that the president's put out uh, 10 days ago basically said no decisions have been made regarding spring sport competition at this, I'm sorry, spring term competition at this time. Those decisions will be made at a later date. So we're starting to have conversations. Our athletic directors in the Ivy League, we meet three times a week. And so we're starting to have conversations about what, what is the, the, the deadline that we can execute everything that we desire to execute. And so we think preliminarily that'll be the first part of November that we're going to either, either to have a go or no go answer. But we're, you know, if things start to look a little bit more optimistic, we're willing to kind of push that back potentially just because we desire to compete during the spring term. And that's our, obviously our winter sports and our spring sports, but aspirationally too, some capacity where we could pivot and move our fall sports that weren't able to compete in the fall term potentially into the spring term. So we're modeling out a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different options. And, you know, they provide some complications. Obviously our facilities, we're on top of each other and a lot of different things. You think about 31 sports competing over a spring term. Uh, it could be incredibly challenging and taxing on upon our staff, but we wanna make sure that our student athletes have an, an opportunity to compete sometime during the academic term. So we're looking at those options. So um, Peter, some questions are coming in about recruits. Sure. Um, how will Columbia coaches and the athletics department handle recruits long-term during the pandemic and then short-term recruits that might be coming from restricted and non-restricted states? So as we entered the pandemic, our communications team did a remarkable job in terms of preparing as many virtual uh, components to, that can assist with our coaches recruiting. They, they uh, entertained a lot of different questions from our, recruit, uh, from our coaches about what we can do to enhance this new world of virtual recruiting. So if you were to go to GoColumbiaAlliance.com, you could see there's a, there's a particular page dedicated to recruiting and whether it be virtual tours of Columbia's campus or Barnard's campus or our facilities, all those things are in place. So if someone, a young man or young woman is interested in, in being recruited, 
we can send them to that site. And so to some degree, they can feel the presence of being on our campus and they can see all the different aspects and all the different sports, whether it be how we support our student athletes through our successful well-being efforts or all the different components that we uh, holistically support our student athletes are present on that site. Now, our coaches, you know, obviously there's a, what's called a dead period where coaches can't get out and about and visit student athletes nor evaluate student athletes. And that has been extended through August 31st. So they're living in a new virtual world that they may not have been. And so they have to uh, have Zoom meetings like we all do. And they're meeting with student athletes or prospective student athletes and their families. And they're presenting various aspects of Columbia and various aspects of the value of an education within the Ivy League. Um, as we enter the world of our ability to um, recruit, at some point, you know, aspirationally, we want to get prospective student athletes on campus because once somebody gets to Columbia, they understand how special our campus is. They understand that within the framework of New York City how the campus operates. That is really a huge selling point, and so we hope at some point during the academic year to enable that, whether it be official visits or unofficial visits, for students to or for prospective student athletes to get back on campus. Now, all that being said, if you walk across campus tonight, you'll know that campus is open. I have a friend of mine whose uh, daughter is being recruited by Columbia, and he took it upon his own just to walk across campus. He can't get escorted by a coach, but yet he can visit the campus and see what the campus is all about. So that that still presents itself, you know, if you, you literally, if you were walk across campus right now, you would still feel like some degree it's open, obviously not as crowded as it normally would be this time of year, but yet you can walk around campus and you can see what uh, a remarkable place the Columbia campus is. Yes, it's great that it's open and they can do that, especially um, when the sun is out. We certainly love that Morningside campus and our quad. So let's turn a little bit to eligibility. Um, and certainly there's lots of students um, and parents having conversations about the value of online learning and if you can compete or not. So talk to us a bit about if a student athlete chooses to defer or withdraw, can they participate in activities and are how are we helping them understand the processes and what it means for their eligibility? Yeah, it's a great question. So as we made this announcement uh, 10 days ago, um, we had a series of Zoom meetings, obviously with our head coaches first and foremost to make sure that they understood the decision. And then we had a, a Zoom meeting with all of our student athletes. And so what we asked them to do is submit whatever questions they may have, whether it be regarding eligibility, whether it be regarding withdrawal, whether it be any particular aspect of what they can and can't do, whether they're virtual or back on campus. And so our communications team, along with our senior staff, has gone through and answered as many questions as we have right now. We formed what's called an FAQ portal. So anybody within our, whether it be our coaches or whether it be our staff or whether it be our student athletes, they can submit questions. And then we have an answer portal that our, our HUD coaches have, aspect, uh, have uh, access to and they can look and, and then they can framework questions to their student athletes. One of the great things that's happening right now, in, in spite of what we're, the world we're living in, our coaches are having regular Zoom meetings with their current student athletes and incoming student athletes. And it's developed a different framework of relationships and understanding you know, the culture of these respective teams. So there's always been mechanisms to answer these questions. Next week, uh, you know, we had to kind of define what uh, the, the academic world was. And we saw that all the institutions were able to define that and we know dorm capacity right now. We know what, you know, that first years and sophomores are getting invited back during the fall term. So we're going to have a town hall next week with all of our student athletes, and we're going to answer all those questions that they've had. One of the challenges right now is we don't necessarily know all the answers. And so we don't know, you know, what the spring will entail and do we, can we guarantee that we'll have the opportunity to compete? And so the, one of the biggest challenges around the pandemic is still the aspect of uncertainty and the inability to answer questions that make for more grounded based decisions. But we're working through these and we're clarifying various other issues. And so one of the, the our senior staff has done a remarkable job about making sure those communication channels are there and that we can give these student athletes, ultimately they need to make the decisions that's in their best interest and their best well-being. 
but we want to provide as well as we can the basis by which they can make a, a well-rounded decision that impacts their particular situation because all of them are different. You think about international students. Obviously, we dealt with what took place before and there was for a short period of time, there are all these different challenges about international students coming back to campus. Right. Uh, incoming first year international students who don't have access to embassies and so they aren't able to get their student visas. And then obviously the, the decision was changed and now all the, everything is moving on such a, a daily basis almost. So we're trying to provide as much clarity as we can, but yet there's still such a degree of uncertainty about what the future holds. It is, it, it is challenging for these student athletes to make a decision because they, there's a lot of unknown about what the future holds. Absolutely. Um, so um, I'm going to turn to Rolando, um, but Peter, trying <laughs> yeah. as well. We're, um, we've had lots of conversations. We all get along well, so go back and forth. Um, and obviously, we we look at what's happening out there with um, other institutions and in their sports. Um, and we've seen that Stanford has cut 11 sports, Dartmouth cut sports, Brown cut some sports, and then brought them back. So. Um, What's happening at Columbia? Are there conversations on this front? Should we be concerned? Is there anything that alumni should be thinking or doing? Uh, absolutely not. We should not be concerned. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, <It's here. laughs> uh, I've had, when I saw that Stanford announcement um, in Dartmouth and Brown, it was difficult. I mean, it's a difficult thing to see. And I, of course, I, I'm engaging with a lot of my friends and Columbia family, and the question kept coming up. So I decided to, I mean, something that certainly has not come up within the trustees is something that, you know, I wanted to hear directly from Lee. And of course, Lee's position is that this, this is, there's nothing similar in mind that we have. I mean, you have, we have to remember, and there's something that I know it's difficult uh, under the circumstances that we live in these days that we have a very supportive president, uh, you know, a president that has demonstrated support for athletics. Um, and you also have to remember, we have a board of trustees. Just look at the last four chairs, you know, Bill Campbell. Um, so at least during the time that I've been a trustee, um, the last nine years, you have Bill Campbell, then Jonathan Schiller, the current chairs are Lisa Carnoy and Jonathan Levine, all jocks, right? So, you know, people who care about athletics, people who support athletics. So, so this is something that uh, is something that uh, is not in our minds at this point. It is not something that is being considered. So I would, you know, there are plenty of other things to worry about. This is not one of them. Yeah. And, and let me chime in too. One of the great things about Columbia is we have on the board of trustees, I believe six or seven of the trust, current trustees were former student athletes. And so, you know, Rolando and I work together on a, uh, on a regular basis about various issues as they uh, impact athletics. And so I, I, I feel as an athletic director and as an athletic department, incredibly blessed to know the support that we have with our trustees and President Bollinger. You know, when I started five years ago, there was a study that was done about the impact of what could take place with football and what needed to take place. And we were very, very fortunate to hire Coach Bagnoli, but we were also very fortunate and blessed to have the university make an investment in the football program and the athletic department. And so we've seen the fruits of those labors. We've been benefited from that. And so uh, I, as some of my peers within the Ivy League are incredibly jealous of the fact that we have a lot of trustees that are former student athletes because we have open dialogue. And so that's very, very helpful in what we're trying to accomplish. And, and to, to Rolando's point uh, re with regarding to sports, as I told our coaches, you know, at this point, we have not been asked to consider anything similar to what took place at Brown and Dartmouth. And so that is, that is something that's very important to us. We take great pride in our 31 sports. We've, uh, in the last, oh, 10 to, you know, five to 10 years, we've had a lot of success within our athletic department. I believe four, three or four years ago, we won the most Ivy League championships we've ever won. Our athletic department and our coaches are incredible stewards with the resources that they provide for them. The impact of the Campbell Sports Complex has made a tremendous difference within our department. Our support that we have you know, uh, financially with our, or with our alumni has, has been very, very beneficial and we'll continue to move forward with that. So 
a lot of good things are happening. We need to get through this pandemic as fast as we can, but I just want to make sure everybody knows the great support we have from President Bollinger and our trustees and, the, and our coaches know that too. And I believe our student athletes know that. Um, and so it, it's really something that we take great pride in. We're very appreciative of. Yeah, I remember that we, we talk about, you know, Coach Campbell's uh, legacy, but, but one of his legacies, not just the incredible support, uh, that he gave the athletic department and still uh, gives the athletic department. But he was in creating a structure. He created the athletic subcommittee that I've been chairing. He, he, you know, he had me to be the liaison to make sure that the trustees are aware of every detail uh, of competition and what is happening at the athletics department. Eliciting support within the trustees, not just not financial support necessarily, but support to our student athletes, whether it's through internships and a lot of a variety of other ways. So that is something that is, that's an infrastructure uh, that, that I know. And my job is basically, I find supporting uh, Peter and supporting the athletes uh, and the athletic department generally. So it, it's, uh, it's one of the legacies that coach uh, left for us. <laughs> hey, Donna, can I ask Rolando one other question? Both you and I are wearing Columbia blue, but I think there's a backstory behind what Rolando's wearing. So I'm just going to ask him to take a minute and describe, <laughs> describe the backstory behind his, his apparel tonight. <laughs> this is not my 40-year-old, you know, uh, windbreaker uh, from, my, from my baseball day. So, you know, it's something that I, that I like to wear. It reminds me uh, of all of those great feelings, including that wonderful wind coming out of the East River when I was pitching. So uh, it's, a great, it's a great memory. It's a great memory. Well, Rolando, it certainly looks great, and it certainly is in good shape. And further to talking about Bill Campbell's legacy is the Columbia Alumni Association, which he founded um, in 2005 to create that connectivity across all the schools of the university. And currently there are six former student athletes who are on the board, yourself and myself and Mary who ran track, who's in Singapore and Andrew who fenced, who's in Beijing and Teresa and Natalia as well who are here in the Tri-State area. So it's good to see the athletic alums helping to build that community and support the student athletes. So, um, Peter, I do have a question about um, the Success Through Wellbeing Initiative um, this, and the impact that the program has had with our student athletes over the past four months and what that support will look like in the fall, both on campus and those who are, will be remote. Yeah, thank you. Let me, I also want to just give everybody a little bit of background because we've kind of We've, we've developed this department, it's grown, and it's basically the, the premise of what they're trying to do is holistic support to our student athletes. So Jessica DePaulo and Brent Walker head up this division, and uh, we have six full-time people that work each and every day to make sure that our student athletes have the resources and the support that they need to be successful, obviously academically, but if you think about all the particular aspects, whether it be career development, whether it be uh, internships, employment, uh, employment opportunities, mentoring, uh, and then also assistance in a variety of different ways with life skills, uh, and then also mental health. Mental health is an area that we take a lot of uh, seriousness in to making sure that our student athletes know that we're there so, to support them in that aspect of their lives. And so all those different aspects are something that's really, really important. And now when you think about the complexities, we have 800 student athletes that were on campus, and now we have 800 student athletes that are spread all over the world. And you know, there's a lot of different situations that that provides. You know, for example, one particular program, we had a lot of alumni that stepped up to provide a program was a food insecurity program. And we had a lot of student athletes that faced a lot of challenges at home and their ability to get balanced meals. And obviously the things that we do on our campus to make sure that they're receiving the nutritional support they need to perform at the level we want. And so we had a series of donors that stepped up that provided a mechanism by which we could identify these student athletes and support them at their given home or wherever they may be to make sure that we met the needs of their food and nutritional support. That's just one example. Another great example, if you think about it, is uh, in the middle of the pandemic, we started what a Lions Connect mentoring program. And, 
and, and Lily and Ari and their team within the Successful Wellbeing connected all of our graduating seniors with an alum and making sure that they had a connection point. Obviously, as you know, some jobs were rescinded and some difficult situations were taking place and people didn't have uh, all necessarily the answers to all the questions. So we immediately connected them with uh, uh, alumni, with our former student athletes, and our, our alumni base was remarkable uh, stepping up in terms of that aspects of it. And so they had somebody, they had a touch point with an alum and something that was important there. In terms of planning for the fall, we, we've identified vir this virtual world, and so we're going to have a lot of virtual uh, skill building workshops. We're going to have industry nights like we've had in the past in person, and now we'll have those virtual. And then we'll have a lot of series of virtual events around success well-being. So I think we do this area as well as anybody in our league, and I have a lot of confidence in that. Jessica and Brent and her team do a remarkable job supporting our student-athletes in all aspects of their lives. And so we're going to continue to grow and develop these areas to make sure that they know we're there for them. Because as you know, we want everybody to be successful athletically, academically, but ultimately when they graduate, we want to make sure they know we care about them. And if we can show that, then they'll be great ambassadors of Columbia and Columbia athletics as they go on to their given profession or career. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. And I think we do a really good job doing that and hats off to our success well-being uh, team for accomplishing that. Well, and that is just so important to just have that overall well-rounded experience. And it certainly is a tough time and they, everybody wants answers and you don't always have answers and that makes it even more difficult. So kudos to you for launching that program. Another question about the university's financial support um, for athletics, has that changed based on the new conditions this year? And when you think about the spring, is there any opportunity to add facilities um, to create some more social distancing because we, we are going to be in some sort of COVID in 2021. So hopefully it'll be a lot better. Yeah, so I just, to backpedal a little bit of time, um, I think, as I recall, the first month I was on the job is like, okay, fix the football program, which we've done with Coach Bagnoli, and now you need to fix the Dodge Fitness Center, which we know is a, a facility that was built in 1974, and not a lot of things have taken place since then. So we went through a series of comprehensive studies, and then we brought in an architectural team to really look at what we could do, and, and it, it became cost prohibitive, and then we looked at opportunities to kind of piecemeal things, which we're still trying to look at to provide uh, off-site uh, temporary facilities. And so all of that, and, and I'll get into additional uh, sports facilities, all of that has been, we've hit the pause button on that right now. We're gonna look at, continue to look at ways that we can do that. And then prior to the pandemic, we were looking at a, a needs assessment around a potential squash facility and a potential tennis facility. And uh, we're still doing those. We've hired firms to kind of take comprehensive looks. The tennis facility is, it's gotten more legs than, you know, it's continuing to move forward. We, we have a remarkable, most men's and women's tennis programs that are both nationally ranked. And so we have a great support from our tennis alumni base. So we're looking at that, a U of which is our one, and you can chime in at any point on that. So we're trying to identify what the building's going to cost. And then obviously we got to go out and raise the money associated with that. So, you know, we're, we're looking for windows of opportunities within the complications of these pandemics. And one of them is facilities. We're not quite there to announce what we can and can't do, but we, we continue to look and evaluate what opportunities may exist uh, through these challenging times. Great. Um, yeah, no, I, I try not to be um, biased with women's tennis and certainly support the men's tennis team as well. Um, but glad to hear that people are still having these conversations about the future. Um, a question has come in about the relationship with the med school. You know, we are par a part of one of the greatest universities in the world. Is there any sort of cooperation between the undergraduate schools and the, and the med school in terms of potential testing? Yeah, so I, I'm going to... I have regular conversations with Melanie Burnitz, who's the head of health services. She is having, obviously, daily conversations with people in the, in the med school and all the different aspects of what we can do there. Um, and so aspirationally, you know, we would love to have a, a, a testing that's going to provide some type of fast result. And so that's what we're working for and the magnitude and the protocol around testing. So I know that those conversations are taking place. 
we're working with the campus right now to make sure that we're integrated from an athletic standpoint and from a fitness standpoint into all those particular steps. We have members of Melanie's uh, health service team on our re-engagement uh, committees. And so we're, we, we're aware what needs to take place across campus. So there's a lot of cross-pollination, a lot of conversations that are going on. And it's very important. Obviously, there's a lot of really smart people uh, in a lot of different ways throughout this campus. And we're trying to tap into all the resources to make sure that we're properly prepared when not only for this first phase with practice, but then also uh, as we enter optimistically the world of competition. Right. Well, thank you so much, Peter, um, for answering all these questions that we prepared. I hope we didn't drill you too hard. No, no, no. Uh, but I do want to open it um, to see if you have any questions for Rolando or myself as uh, athletic alumni. Yeah, absolutely. So the one question I would ask with, with Donna, obviously with the alumni base, how you see uh, opportunities in terms of just interaction with athletics. Obviously, you've done a, we've done a remarkable job around homecoming and all the different events around that. But just some of your thoughts, how we can continue to build upon what athletics presidents, the role athletics plays, and then how we can move forward to enhance those. Um, perfect. Yes, we're always looking for opportunities to connect. We now have 366,000 alumni living all over the world. And professionally, they're in so many different, working for so many different companies and organizations and institutions that the, we built a strong partnership with the athletics department, but the athletic alumni and the students should think about this broader community. If the student athletes are thinking about applying to grad school, well, maybe they want to talk to a graduate from our architecture school or from the med school or from the law school. Um, there's... Um, there certainly are athletic alumni working in the, these fields, but it can be broader. Um, and let's face it, when you're looking for a job, if you can leverage that Columbia connection, whether they were part of the athletics community as an undergrad, or whether they're part of that broader community, leverage that connection. We have over 100 regional clubs and shared interest groups over the, all over the world. So if you're thinking of moving to someplace new, Certainly when traveling opens up, if you want to visit with somebody, we are able to make those connections to that broader community. Um, and when it comes to looking for a job and mentoring, um, it's something that we are there for the athletic community. Right. And that's a great point because the virtual world now has enabled us to kind of open up the world as uh, you know, with access to our student athletes. Before, we have met, may have asked somebody in New York City, in metropolitan New York City, to come in and speak to our student athletes or a particular team. And now anybody, any alum, any former student athlete all over the world can have the capacity to interact with our student athletes. And it, it, that's incredibly impactful uh, in terms of preparing them for careers, but it's also very, very helpful through the recruiting process. If we can tell those stories, our coaches are aware of those stories. It'll enhance the quality of the student athletes we get on campus. I'll, I'll illustrate this by, we had a Renee on our women's tennis team who just graduated. She interacted with John Luke uh, Neptune, who was an MD, an MBA grad, who was a former track and field student athlete, to kind of restart our Columbia Athletic Pre-Med Health Society. And it opened up doors for them. And it was a great uh, session that we had. And so we're continuing to look at those opportunities. We have student athletes that are interested in every field and every profession. And if we can connect the dots, if alumni are interested in supporting, they can reach out to our successful well-being team. We can make sure that if somebody's interested in whatever the profession may be, we have a former student athlete or we have an alum that's interested in supporting them, educating them, mentoring them, providing insight for them on the given profession. That helps everybody. It helps our student athletes. It helps the recruiting process. I think it's very powerful when our, our student athletes are connected with our alums. And so whatever doors we can open from that aspect is incredibly impactful and very, very meaningful for our student athletes. And it's really, it's really what it means to be part of a Columbia family. I mean, I, I don't want people to think that somehow, you know, you need to be involved in this really elaborate process. There's some that do that and that's wonderful. But, you know, a lot of times it's just simply answering 
very basic questions that pertain to your particular industry. I know I get calls daily from student athletes and, and college and law school students, just given the uncertainty that there is out there uh, about, you know, is the school opening? Is it going virtual? What is happening? Can I, you know, put off a year? Can I, you know, all of these questions that, you know, a, a lot of it can just be simple support, just being able to engage with the student athlete, you know, during very challenging times. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, uh, additional anxiety created by many of the decisions that are made someplace else. I know this decision that Stanford and Brown and, and Dartmouth made caused a lot of anxiety in the general community. But just to be able to engage uh, with, with with a student athlete or with a potential um, uh, uh, Columbia family member, it, it's really important. Yeah. So again, to just reiterate, this virtual world has created unlimited opportunities for us to connect our student athletes with alums and former student athletes. So anybody that's on the call, please know you're welcomed to always participate and play a role. And it's incredibly impactful for what we're trying to accomplish there too. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, Rolando, I just want you to share a little bit about how you see the role of athletics within the framework of the university as a trustee, as a former alum, as a former student athlete. You know, I, I know that uh, I know that it's within the fiber of the university, and it has a lot of different roles. But I just wanted to have you share your thoughts about that with uh, with those on the call tonight. Yeah, I mean, w one of the wonderful things about you know being a an athlete uh, at Columbia has always been, and I've been involved with the university for over forty years. So it, it's you know it is a family, and and this incredible support and understanding that. Athletic competition is an integral part of being a, a, a good husband, being a good professional, being a good, you know, just being an overall human being uh, who's contributing, uh, who's involved in, in, in community, as in my case. So, so I always found the support uh, of Columbia, not just as a, you know, as a lawyer, as an intellectual, but you know, it's some, my, my athletic endeavors are an integral part of who I am and what supported at Columbia. And I think that that's, that's one of the wonderful things. And I think that that's what makes us unique. Yeah, absolutely. So a renaissance person that, not just renaissance man, but renaissance person <laughs> that we talk about uh, includes uh, being an athlete, includes uh, part and parcel of control uh, of who you are. Yeah, great. Donna, anything else to add to Rolando's comments? No, I think it's true. We are a family. Um, and at this time, it's any support you can get and then expanding that family is something that's really important. And just leverage that Columbia community, whether you need some social support virtually, unfortunately, at this time, um, but professional, um, there's a strong community. And for all those athletic alumni who are listening today, if you're hiring and if you're looking for interns or you th can think of an opportunity, how you can provide some value to our community, please reach out you know, to Eric, who was on earlier, Peter, myself, Rolando. Uh, we're always happy to make those connections. And um, as Rolando and I, we've been doing it for decades before we took on our administrative roles at the university and nothing is more rewarding than that connection with student athletes. Um, so we know you can definitely be motivated and excited by building those relationships. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. You know, we have, not only do we have great partners off campus, we have great partners on campus. Through all of these challenging times, uh, we, you know, we were in conversations with Dean Valentini, the undergraduate deans, about how they can support student athletes and all the, you know, the, the aspect of what's going to take place, whether we compete or not compete. We have great partners in admissions and financial aid with Jessica and all the things that she does for our student athletes. And so it's really, really important. This is a family. This is a family on campus. This is a family off, off campus. And people are there to help. And I think that's one of the great things over my five years 
the one thing that resonates with me more than anything is people care. And our student athletes know that. And they know that each and every one of you care about them and their well-being. And that's important. And that resonates with them. And that's meaningful to them. And that's impactful to them. And they're going to all be great ambassadors of our institution as they go off into their given field or profession. And we should take great pride in that. And our coaches are doing a remarkable job developing that type of culture and making sure that they understand the complexities of these issues. But yet our coaches uh, have an incredible responsibility, whether it be obviously coaching their particular sport, but mentoring and being educators and all the different aspects that we do. And we have remarkable individuals of our 31 sports that are leading our student athletes and, and they do a, an amazing job in terms of what they're able to accomplish. And, and collectively within our department, I think a lot of you should be very proud of what our student athletes do and what they accomplish and how they represent our institution too. All right. Uh, All right, I'm back. Thank you. <laughs> let, let me do, this is like PTI on ESPN. I have to make sure there was one issue that we didn't, may have not properly covered. Um, and I just wanna make sure I hit this question that took place. So we, in the fall, we're gonna have uh, first years and sophomores residing on campus but yet uh, juniors and seniors may have the capacity or capabilities to reside off campus. And so do they have the ability to participate in these uh, practices? Or if you shift to the spring and we have the ability to compete, is anybody off campus? And the answer to that is yes, as long as they're full-time. So as long as you live off campus and you're full-time in the fall or full-time in the spring, that'll still provide you the opportunities to uh, participate in athletic activities. So, that's my, I just wanted to make sure that that question was answered. And Eric, if there's any other questions we miss, fire away right now. If not, we can thank everybody for their time. No, we, uh, I, th I think we got to most of them. I think this has been a great night. Thank you all for, for joining us. This has been awesome. And uh, please everybody come back in two weeks for uh, our Olympic programming, which we think will be really, really incredible. We've had some amazing Olympians over the years. And I think we have some great stories to tell. So. Thank you all and have a great night. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And there you have it. That was the town hall hosted by Peter Pilling with moderators Rolando Acosta and Donna McPhee. Uh, we hope you found that really informational. I mean, I, I certainly found that informational. I know Mike found that informational. A lot of the Columbia student athletes and staff did. Uh, but there you have it. That was the first episode of our second season of the Roarcast. Uh, I'm Kyle Matrician signing off for Mike Kowalski and Megan Rojas. We hope you join us again next week. As a reminder, you can find the Roarcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, and on Stitcher. Just search Columbia Athletics and the Roarcast on any of those platforms. But until next week, uh, stay safe, everybody.